Take off your pants. Unleash your true self. Real unicorns don't wear pants. Oh, hey, money-making unicorns. How the fuck are you today? So, guys, back in the day in bartender land, um, me and the bartender that I worked with at Chin Chin, Annalisa, shout out to Sleeza today, um, <laughs> we had this running joke inside of our world where we called ourselves baby unicorns. <laughs> okay, baby unicorns. And this was actually part of the whole thing with the guy that I had an affair with. So it makes the stories really interesting and fun, right? So <laughs> all the juicy fucking details. But we called ourselves the baby unicorn squad. Um, and so today I was doing a post that was all about bartender land. And so I was scrolling through all of our old pictures um, to find this one of me, me and Annalisa that I really loved. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't grab that picture today. But I was thinking to myself, I was like, how fucking funny is it that it's called, like, that we were calling ourselves baby unicorns, right? And so we had all these like running jokes with cocktails. Um, we had a specific shot that we would take that was called a Barker Rocks Bomb. And for those of you who don't fucking know, okay, this was a shot of Angostura bitters because you guys, okay, bitters is like super high proof when you're not using that Fee, Fee Brothers Glycerol crap, right? But when you're using the real deal Angostura, it's super high proof. And most bartenders at bars have no idea how expensive bitters is. <laughs> they don't know they're not the ones ordering and so if you're at like a like a, a a shot in a beer kind of bar they're gonna have a bottle of bitters behind the bar but it's gonna be something that they never fucking use right now if you're in like mixology land then they fucking know right but you can order the shot of angostura and they're gonna have no idea how much to charge you for this like sometimes they just give it to you for free because they think something is wrong with you right but a barker rocks bomb is taking a shot of angostura and you drop it into uh ginger beer <laughs> okay and it's fucking delicious and it fucks you the fuck up if you haven't had a barker rocks bomb and you're still drinking i highly recommend this uh, i like it with gosling's ginger beer the best like i don't really like the super spicy ones um they, they're always just a little bit too overpowering and especially when you add ango into it it's it's too much um so go with Go uh, gosling's because a little bit lighter profile effervescence is good it's got good carb carbonation to it drop that shit in there and take that shot and tell me it's not fucking delicious because it is um so the barker rocks bomb was something that we built in baby unicorn land and so we would do like a bunch of our pictures we had our little hands on our head with our little fake little unicorn our finger unicorn horns um doing all the baby unicorn stuff and that is stuff that translated into coaching land right is because bartender me was the baby unicorn and now in coaching land like i'm an adult-ish <laughs> teenager-ish is probably more accurate, a teenage unicorn, right? Um, and running wild and free and being in that thing. But I love the affinity and like the layering up of things. And, you know, this is something that I frequently talk about with you guys is that the things that you did before are relevant for what you're doing today. And so when you're going to start your business, you're not really starting over. You're not starting something new in the, in the sense of like becoming a new human today. That's not a thing. Like it's not a do over. It's that you're gonna take the skill sets that you had in your previous life and you're going to build them into your new life. And that's so much of what I did and why I was so successful is because, hello, I know how to run a really great bar. And spoiler alert, my programs are like bars. You know, my Facebook groups feel like bars. They feel like brick and mortar real fucking places because that was my experience, all focused in hospitality, um, really focused in like steps of service and the industry and the vibe that you create um, within bars because you create loyalty, you create regulars, you create people that come in 
two, three, five, <laughs> five nights a week, right? You create that place of, of home, like cheers, right? And so I took those same elements that were working in bartender land and I brought them over to the coaching industry, which is why I was successful so fucking fast. So it may look like an overnight success. And I mean, in one industry it is, but it's because I had a decade of fucking experience in another industry that I translated over to. And so you have to think about that layering up principle. And so with the baby unicorn squad, like that became like, think about the translation for that. For those of you guys who are in my fucking programs, like inside of nonstop, we say things like once a unicorn, always a unicorn. Right. And so we built this identity of what it meant to be a unicorn, but that identity is just an evolution. Pokemon style, shout out to Adam. <laughs> okay. Pokemon style. This is an evolution, right? from the baby version of me, which was this baby unicorn, which was an identity. It was something that me and Annalisa and Will shared together in being Chin Chin bartenders is that we were the baby unicorn squad and we were better than everybody else. That was how it was, you know, is that we ran around town and we did all the things um, and we were the trendsetters. We were the ones that we're creating all these different ideas and doing crazy fucking events at the bar and coming up with all sorts of badass cocktails and starting cocktail competitions and running the bartenders guild. We were the baby unicorns, right? And so it was that feeling of belonging. It was that feeling of having a group and an identity that was exclusive to you and something that we were proud of, something that we loved and something that we had way too much fucking fun with. And being in that space of being a baby unicorn ultimately laid the groundwork for me to grow up into the unicorn that I am today. And then I carried that same motif forward. And it's so crazy because it's something that I completely forgot about until I was looking at this picture and I was like, Oh, and it was like the picture of like baby unicorn squad, you know? And I was like, Oh, baby unicorn squad. And I thought that that was so funny to see that affinity evolve out, but there's so many different things that I've done that way. You know, I mean, everything that I built for my content strategy for content that crushes came from my teachings of how I taught bartenders, how to do cocktails, right? Of how to create cocktail wheels. And so a cocktail wheel is the concept that every cocktail is like a, a wheel, like literally like, think like a wagon wheel, right? It's a wagon wheel with spokes on it. And so I would teach all of the bartenders, the ratios for these different styles, like Collins, um, Collins is a two, one, one ratio, right? And so you can make all sorts of different, all sorts of different drinks in the Collins ratio. As long as you swap out the spokes, you don't change the ratio. You change the ingredient slightly, but it has to be for a like ingredient. Like for, for example, you could change lime to lemon, or you can change, um, you know, honey syrup to ginger syrup, right? You can create those, those different kind of flavor profiles within the drink without actually like fucking up the, the structure of it because you don't change the profile. This is exactly the same as what I taught in my content strategy. And really content that crushes is just me taking the cocktail wheel and turning it into how you, how you run social media. Same thing is that you're using these different posts and it's going to be a different post every day with a different fucking flavor, but it's going to be the same kind of structure so that you maintain the integrity of your social media, the same way that you would in, re retain your fucking integrity in a cocktail. These things all layer up, right? So the lessons that you learned in whatever the fuck it is that you were doing before you became an entrepreneur, before you decided to coach or go run your own business, those life experiences don't just go out the window. And in fact, they shape you and they're what makes you special. All of that shit is your competitive edge. The fact that I was a bartender for 15 years before I fucking started doing this shit is my competitive edge. It's what makes me special. It's what makes me different. It's what sets me apart. 
it, it impacts my language patterns. It impacts the directionality of my content. It definitely impacts story time, right? Story time on TikTok is significantly impacted from the fact that I was a bartender for 15 years and not an accountant, right? If I was an accountant, I would be bringing over a much different set of skill sets and way different stories to the table, which would attract a completely different client. So you don't want to leave it at the door. You don't want to leave those things outside of yourself and say, oh, I'm starting over and I'm letting go of all these things to become this new person. You want to add to yourself. I was telling one of my clients this week that it's it's identity building is like a Russian as like a Russian nesting doll. Have you guys ever seen those? You know, it's like the doll that goes inside of itself. Like there's like 10 of them. My grandma had one um, when I was a kid that, you know, my mom that my mom kept. And I always remember playing with it with a little girl when I was a little girl. And there's these little in the tiniest one inside was a little red one. Right. It's a little red one. And then there was an orange and green one that clicked around it and then the blue and the yellow one. Right. And so it clicked and it clicked and it clicked and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so this is what identity building feels like, is that it's not like you have to throw away your past self to become the next version of you. The baby unicorn grew into a teenage unicorn. That's how that works, which makes me wonder what the adult unicorn will be like. Because in seasons of life, in Pokemon evolution, right? <laughs> there's like you get three. You get three evolutions in Pokemon land. Pokemon land. You have like the little baby one, and then you have like the junior one, and then you have the adult one, right? <laughs> Okay, so I'm in the junior, I'm in the junior Pokemon stage right now. <laughs> and so really like looking at that layering is like the Russian nesting dolls of adding this next layer to yourself. You don't have to get rid of the old you. It's that you put another layer on the outside, like a jawbreaker or like rings of a tree, right? is that a tree is, is only as strong as the rings as it ripples out to. It's not like when it grows that new ring, like the ring on the inside goes away and it's just hollow. That's not how that works because if it was a hollow tree, it would fall over, right? It would get too big for itself and it would just crumble on itself. You don't have to do that. It's that you're building out the layers on top of themselves so that it's getting stronger every time you add the layer. And maybe with you have the new layer, you don't do the same behavior patterns that you used to do, right? Maybe not all of them because the new layer just doesn't include that. I mean, I don't drink anymore, right? I haven't drank in four and a half years, right? I haven't drank in four and a half years, but I can still flavor profile of whiskey, right? I can still sit there and smell it and tell you exactly all the things, right? I can still do that. I can still do that with wine. I can still go into any bar in the world and read a cocktail menu and know what the fuck every single drink on that list tastes like. Um, I can tell you what their profit margins look like, right? Like all of that experience doesn't go away simply because I don't drink anymore, right? Like I have all of that experience. I still know how to run very successful bars. Like that doesn't just stop because I became a coach, right? It just added another layer. And that layer just doesn't include drinking anymore. And that's fine, right? Because it includes podcasting, which is something I didn't do in bartender land, right? We pick up new skill sets and we add them on top. And so we're expanding this Russian nesting doll version of ourselves. And the bigger it gets, the more intricate those patterns get. The more um, detailed we can make all of that art on the outside. Um, and we can allow ourselves to be in that space of growing, not only with the grace of keeping our old self, but also with the beauty of designing our new selves. And there's so much freedom in there that there's so much like, you know, possibility, that limitless feeling of possibility, because you don't have to like kick your old self to the curb. This doesn't have to be something super painful. You got to let go of some of those behavior patterns that don't match the new ones, right? When you build out that identity, but ultimately it's a journey. It's a journey that you get to paint this like tapestry level of picture to show the gradient in your life of how things have changed, how things have become. And it's realizing that right now, the story that you're running today 
will someday be your past story. It will someday be that like good old days, like nostalgic feeling of like talking about high school or that wasn't it for me, but like <laughs> talking about the Carver's days, right? The, the first bar that I worked in, like that is the nostalgic feeling and it builds out. And like, just because I don't work at Carver's anymore, doesn't mean that that ever has to leave me. I will forever remember the fucking shenanigans <laughs> that we pulled in that place. Um, drinking uh, iron balls, you guys. Okay. So an iron ball, you guys are getting all the cocktails today. An iron ball is crown, like crown royal, right? Like, okay. And like, seriously, like four fingers of it. If you're torturing yourself working at this fucking bar, four fingers of crown topped with a tiny layer of amaretto. Okay. <laughs> and so if you were caught at that, if you were caught at, at Carver's, which was a steakhouse, so it had all these different corridors, right? And so you came around the corner and somebody was holding an iron ball in front of you, you had to drink it. Those are the fucking rules. Okay. We were hammered all the fucking time because we we're constantly drinking, like literally like sippy cups full of fucking crown royal. <laughs> it's disgusting. I can like still smell it. Like I, when I say the word crown, like a certain smell like hits me where I'm like, Oh God, like my stomach is like, please don't. <laughs> right? I, I don't have fond memories of the crown royal, like ugh, disgusting. Right. So we were always drinking iron balls, um, you know, and just because I don't work there anymore, doesn't mean I can't remember that. Doesn't mean I can't carry it through all of the lessons that I learned. Like, I mean, yes, the drinking, the drinking lessons, but also like the life lessons. Um, I just saw on Facebook yesterday, um, some of the people that I worked with that that were there they got married mike and katie and mike and katie just had their 18th anniversary um yesterday happy anniversary guys <laughs> and you know how crazy is that to think about that that was fucking 18 years ago <laughs> like it makes you want to throw up a little bit right um but mike and katie like were like the couple like they were perfect like i mean they just they look so like aesthetically pleasing together it was like you know i mean they should be like on a, on a hallmark card like they're just perfect together and like watching that, I remember being, you know, I was 18. I was 18 or 19 at the time. And when Mike and Katie got married and like being like, that's that's the kind of love that you wanted. You know, that was the kind of love that you wanted, that they were so loyal to each other and they were so supportive of each other. And um, oh God, this terrible story just popped in my head. <laughs> this terrible story. Oh my God, you guys, their cat. I'm not even gonna go into too much of the graphic of it because it's seriously terrible, but I'll just leave it at this. Like their cat got in the dryer. Oh my God, it was awful. It was so awful. <laughs> but it's like those experiences never leave, right? It's like you remember all of those different layers. Like I don't have to let go of the Nicole that worked at Carver's. Like I get to still be that person. It's just that that's, you know, eight or 10 layers deeper in that tree ring kind of analogy or in the, the nesting doll. Like it's, it's so much deeper inside of there, but it's still a core piece of my foundation of who I am. I don't have to let go of those things to become the next version of me. I just make some micro shifts so that I can fit that next doll all around me. Um, you know, I learned so much working at that place. I mean, learning how to run a hostess stand for an extremely busy fucking restaurant, um, you know, high end, busy restaurant. Um, when I was 18, like we had, I mean, we do 500 covers on a fucking Friday night, right? 500 covers on a Friday night. I mean, we had a wait list that was an hour and a half long every Friday. Like, I mean, sometimes even on Thursdays, right? Like every Friday, Saturday, there was always an hour and a half long wait. So we had to manage the wait along with the reservations. Um, we ran a giant dining room with a whole bunch of servers, um, managing the, the personality dynamics of choosing which which people to put in which like which sections right um that was so important and like i think about that now and like what an interesting layer to think about like um people walking in so you don't know them 
right? People walking in and you're making an assessment at the hostess desk, just, I mean, how many people are in the party, um, you know, how old they are, uh, what they look like as far as discretionary income goes, um, and if they have reservations, if they don't, if they have kids with them, if they don't, if they're a couple, if they're friends, if they're rowdy, if they're not, right? You make all of these judgments, these assessments so quickly, and you do this rapid rapport build as they walk up to the hostess stand. You're like immediately getting to know them and then deciding if you're going to put these in like Joe, in Joe Vona's, <laughs> Jonah Vona's section, which he was like this um, super crazy, like art focused, like indie weird guy, right? Like, I mean, he had the most interesting fucking stories to tell. Like, I don't, I wonder what the fuck happened to that guy because seriously, he had the craziest fucking stories. <laughs> um, you know, do we put them in Joe Vona's section? Like, cause if they're not like weird and off the wall like that, they're gonna have a hard time with Joe, right? Or are they more like boisterous frat boys and we put them in fucking Dave's section, <laughs> you know? Like you're making that judgment call on who should go where based within the seating chart along with the timing and then deciding like how long they have to wait and like, you know, correlating in with the, with all of the reservations. And then also trying to help the servers to make the most amount of money possible. Right. <clears throat> Is that I always had the intention. I mean, yeah, the servers tipped us out, but I mean, not very much, but it was just more about like, it was more about the relationship, right? It's like that if, you know, if, if somebody really pissed you off, if you were a hostess and somebody pissed you off, one of those servers pissed you off, you could ruin their whole week, <laughs> right? Um, so it was like the power thing of like, hey, look, like I'm controlling how much fucking money you have tonight. So like, you know, <laughs> hook me up with a fucking Caesar salad, okay? Because like, I love that shit. So it was that relationship building piece that was super fun with the servers. And then you could make or break their entire night. Um, you know, and we obviously all had our favorites and we would give all the four to, you know, you give the four tops to the people that you love the most, uh, which was always Mike and Katie, by the way. <laughs> so handing over all of the good tables to the good servers and also keeping the balance of the entire fucking restaurant because some of those servers could not handle anything. If you double sat someone, they would like, lose their fucking shit right and so then that would fuck up the kitchen that would fuck up the flow and then before you know it all of the people on reservation would be late and so our seven o'clocks would be coming in and they wouldn't be able to get in until 7 30 all because we were stupid and double sat a server that we shouldn't double seat right so it's like certain games that you play as a hostess like that shit like forever turned me into someone who is highly strategic right running a restaurant like that for for so long and at such a young age it helped me to shape my mind of order of operations and taking into consideration you know quick rapport building understanding people's wants needs and anticipating those needs for the servers really understanding the dynamic of the personality of those servers so that i could best serve them right because it was my job to serve the servers so the servers could serve the the customers. And so that trickle down effect and understanding the mechanics of how a business runs, what makes something successful, how we make more money, how we keep the GM from fucking screaming at us, <laughs> right? Keeping everything running super smoothly. And then also having these wrenches thrown at us, right? Because our manager would come over, <laughs> our manager would come over sometimes and just be like, oh, I need you to get these people in right now. Like Jimmy's friends would show up and we would all be fucked, right? But like, oh, there goes the fucking seating chart, right? Because Jimmy's friends would show up and we'd have to move everything because they wanted this specific table at this specific time and no, they did not have a fucking reservation, right? And so this wrench would get thrown and we, as hostesses, we were like, the fuck? Like we have spent all night making this perfect and here you are fucking it all up. But little did we know that that was a massive fucking life experience, right? Because that's what happens in life is that everything is going smoothly. It's fucking swimming along and doing all the things it's supposed to do. And then all of a sudden out of fucking nowhere, something happens. 
and you have to react to it. You have to adjust to it. You have to create and craft a response that still helps you to get what you want, even though you've been derailed. What an incredible fucking life lesson to learn in such an intrinsic way. I mean, literally every fucking Friday night to be able to anticipate the wrenches and know what to do when these were thrown in. We got to the point where we were so smart when Sarah and I were running the wheel. That's what they call it when you're, uh, when you're running all the hostess stand, right? It's called running the wheel. So when we were running the wheel, we would leave like we would strategically like leave gaps <laughs> in the reservations because we were the one making the reservation cheese. So we would leave gaps in like the 730 slots because we knew that the fucking manager's friends always fucking came in and we're like, oh, yeah, we would like write fake names in there and we would remember which ones were fake. So we would have these fake reservations blocked out <laughs> so that the managers couldn't fuck up our rotations. We got so good at it that we could fucking manipulate the entire system. And it was so much fun to be able to do that shit. And those skill sets have never left me. I use those same skill sets to run fucking wonder retreats now, right? Is to anticipate the needs of people, to do that fast rapport building, to set people up with the right set of circumstances, with the right salesperson, um, with the right experience inside of the retreat to help them to get the best results possible. I use this inside of my delivery of putting the right people with the right people. We do fox and hound relationships inside of nonstop. And, you know, we, we gently guide that. We let people pick, but to a certain extent, you know, we have an influence over that to help people to get the right people to, to spend time with so that they're going to get the best results possible. And that really comes from the skill set of rapid rapport building and being able to identify people's needs and wants and desires and anticipate those needs and creating those rapid connections that all came from being a fucking hostess. So you never let go of the old skill sets that you've had. They don't just disappear as you're stepping into a new industry. You're bringing all that shit with you. You're taking it with you and you're helping yourself to shape and grow and build something that is magnificently yours. And you know, this is where the coaching industry gets fucked, right? I was just listening to another coach do a live this morning and she was talking about this thing of where you like um you pay for proximity okay and this is like a very common thing that's happening in the in the industry right now where it's like a big buzzword it's like pay for proximity and this is what all of that like uber high ticket coaches who are charging three hundred thousand i'm not kidding three hundred thousand dollars um for a year of mentorship with them it's like but you're paying for proximity but i'm also not going to be available because i'm teaching you to not be available like that's the whole thing is like you're going to pay three hundred thousand dollars for my mentorship but I'm only available through three days a week and you know it's only these kinds of questions and there's like all these boundaries right and they're touting this under like scalability and like if you were really this high level you would understand and like kind of like shaming you like th they kind of shame you for even using the container that you buy <laughs> it's like you should just pay me three hundred thousand dollars because that's what's going to help you to level up <laughs> right and it's turned into this like coaching scheme pyramid. Um, and I can really see that from the like outside view looking in um, where like it, it looks like a pyramid scheme. And in some in some rights, it is like it, it's still there. It's like you're paying for the proximity and you're just saying like, OK, like just by being this person's disciple, like I'm going to gain no notoriety. Like I get to put this like sticker <laughs> that goes on my chest. Right. Your, your bits of flair, <laughs> your bits of flair of like who you've been coached by. And that gives you like your coaching lineage. And so your coaching lineage contributes to that that. Uh, I don't know, your purchase price to a certain level. Like, well, this is your caliber because you've been coached by this person. You can charge this much money, like all this bullshit. But what it's done is that it's turned everybody into carbon copies of everybody else. 
right? And if you look at a, a specific coaching lineage, if you look at one of these, these high ticket fucking masterfully charging $300,000 a year mentorship coaches, and then you look at all of their, their clients underneath them in that first rung who are paying at that level, they all look exactly the same, right? All their branding is the same, all their language patterns are the same. And they're like these little arms that branch off of this coach and then their clients, same thing. And so it ripples out. And so there's this like um, copy of a copy of a copy feel. And you know how that is, like with a game of, tele of telephone, right? So the longer you get down the lineage lines, like the more distorted the message gets and you don't really understand what's going on, but you're just paying for the proximity of what you could afford. So maybe you can't afford $300,000 a year. So you buy the $100,000 a year, or maybe you can't afford that. So you buy the $50,000. But then as you climb up those rungs, and I'm not saying you don't make money, you do but that's because you're embedded in, in the pyramid, right? Where you are in the pyramid indicates how much you can make because you get to lean on the lineage above you. And so it's, it's this very strange kind of weird mechanism. And to be fair, not everybody, not everybody does make that money. Not everybody does get accepted into the cool kids club. Okay. Um, that's not how it works. You have to follow suit. You have to get into the branding line. You have to like, you know, act a certain way. You have to, um, restrict you have to restrict in your bound and call it boundaries you have to restrict your access and call it boundaries right like th there's certain things that you have to do in order to like ma match that frequency um and so it's super fucking interesting to watch but what it lacks is any sort of like originality like there's no like pizzazz there's no pop to it like it's, it's not interesting in any way shape or form because they're all just telling you the same things um, but you're at a different frequency now, so you can hear it differently, right? It's like, that, that's the language pattern that they use, but they're not pulling from their real life experience. I mean, quite honestly, a lot of them don't fucking have it. A lot of them don't really have real life experience. They started being a life coach when they were 22. And so they don't really have anything to back that up. You know, there, there was no like business acumen before that. Um, and I think that this is a really interesting phenomenon is that people pay for proximity without really looking at qualification. I mean, for me, it's like, I have 15 years of business consulting, like in real life, like brick and mortar with real profit margins and having to worry about paying overhead and staff um, and, you know, having all the bartenders sleeping with each other while drinking all day and having to somehow still make money. <laughs> right. Like I have real business experience. Um, you know, that to me is important when I go and I, I buy from a coach, like I, I make sure that I'm buying from somebody who isn't just this mythical creature that, you know, just made it because of the person ahead of them. And, and I, I, I've made the mistake. I've bought, I've bought from people that are that way. And then I got in there and I was like, oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> I get it. I understand. I see it. And I had to pay, you know, I had to pay 10 grand to learn that lesson, just like fucking everybody else. And I, and I did pay, I paid the 10 grand. I got inside of one of those pyramid scheme of lineage coaches. And I saw, I saw the smoke and mirrors. I saw that layering up was like, oh, none of you have actually even run a business outside of coaching. You you don't have personnel management experience. I see all these people like bragging, like, oh, I don't have a team. Like, I just do all this shit myself. And like, you know, I have some VAs or whatever. Like, that's not an upside. Like, that's not a good thing. You know, like the fact that you're making, you know, literally millions of dollars, you're making $10 million a year and you don't have a team. Like, that's fucked up. <laughs> it's like you should you you should be paying somebody like a, a you know a, a really livable wage, a three hundred thousand dollar fucking salary, and perpetuating the cycle of wealth. Like you know, to me, that's not a good thing. Like I don't look at that and be like, oh my god, your profit margins are amazing. I look at you and I'm like, you're kind of a dick. <laughs> you know, it's like you're paying VAs like you know three dollars an hour from the Philippines or whatever. 
um, to be your minions instead of like bringing in like a chief of staff or like somebody to come in and, you know, be your executive assistant and then paying them like an amazing livable wage. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, like th this is the opportunity of like jobs, like part of being an entrepreneur, a part of why I wanted to be an entrepreneur is to, to provide really amazing work culture for really amazing people, because I never had really amazing work culture in these fucking bars. I always had, you know, tooth and nail sexual harassment. <laughs> it wasn't fun. Right. Um, I mean, the drinking was fun. Right. But as I got higher in the ladder, like, I mean, it was more fun when I was a hostess. It was less fun when I was a manager <laughs> because the company culture sucked. Right. Um, and so being, you know, in that kind of arena, I, I want to provide that for my staff. Like I, I love company culture. I love the psychology of it. I love the dynamic of it. Um, I love getting to run my team. It's, it's not a have to, it's, it's a get to, I get to run them. I get to pay them. I get to come up with cool ways to incentivize them. I get to give them fun fringe benefits. You know, one of the things um, that like I do for Liz is that Liz also gets to share my, my personal assistant is that my personal assistant in real life that cleans my house and and keeps my whole life in order for me. Um, you know, I also pay for that for Liz so that she has this amazing fringe benefit too. And I mean, she's got three little kids trashing her house every fucking day. Like having a house cleaner to, to cook and clean and do laundry is like a godsend <laughs> for someone with three kids, you know? Like I love being able to provide that for my staff. So to me, it's not an upside to not have a team. Right. But they they have this energy to them where it's like, I, I'm just a mythical creature. I live in the woods. <laughs> I live in the woods and I travel around and I drink I drink everything out of a champagne glass <laughs> like it's fucking weird. Right. But that's they're they're bragging from that standpoint. And to me, that's not really running a business. But the truth of the matter is, is that they don't they don't have the experience of running a business. They, they don't know how to incentivize a team. They don't know how to manage. Um, you know, those are just not things that that they ever really learned. And so they have this beautiful smoke and mirror screen packaged up with amazing fucking branding and people are paying to be adjacent to them. But then more often than not, you hear the other side of that, you know, where it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I got in there and, you know, I got behind the cool kids club door and there wasn't anything there because they didn't really, they didn't really know how to answer any questions other than, you know, you need to shift your limiting beliefs. And that was the only answer that they could really give. There was no strategy to back that up. There was no um, real life experience. And I mean, how could you expect somebody to have real life experience in those kind of situations when they became a mythical creature coach at 22? Um, you know, that that's, of course they don't have that, you know, I mean, most of them, if they do, if they do have a relationship, they didn't, build that relationship until after they were already millionaires. Um, and not to say that that's not a thing, but I mean, it's not the same thing, right? Um, you know, building a, a sustainable relationship on a foundation of love and trust when you don't have any money is completely different than choosing the hottest boy um, out of the pack. <laughs> the hottest boy out of the pack and then playing dress up with him at your beautiful hotel suite is a completely different game, right? And so I don't know. I mean, for me, it, and it's it's like no shade. Like you do you. You do whatever the fuck it is that you want to do in this. But the piece that comes in for me for logic is that I don't understand why somebody who wants to have a well-run business um, that is profitable with an amazing staff who wants to have a meaningful love relationship would ever buy from somebody who doesn't actually have those results just because they're making piles of money. They're making piles of money because they're really great at smoke and mirrors and they're really great at the pyramid scheme coaching and that is an amazing fucking skill set and good for them and i'm glad they're making all this money but for me that doesn't align with my core value 
And so like, that's, that's where things get a little bit tricky, you know, is like, you got to bring with, you got to bring you with you to the coaching industry. If you really want this to be sustainable and enjoyable and also fulfilling, like if you want all of those pieces and you, you want to have, yes, the, the amazing villas and the incredible vacations, but also somebody with substance to share that with and, you know, to be a good parent, to run a strong team, um, to perpetuate, you know, the wealth chain of, of really building people up inside of your organization, which to me is so fucking important. Like if you want all of those things, like don't buy from someone who doesn't have them and then expect those people to be able to answer your questions because they don't have any real life experience. They don't have any business experience. All they've ever done is be, is be a mythical creature. Like if you want to be a mythical creature, go buy from them. Right. Um, but you gotta, you gotta look at the results that people actually have and you have to be able to see past the money, right. To look at the actual structure. I mean, I think of that in, in like bartender land where it's like, people would be like, Oh my God, this bar is so amazing because you know, the owner spent a whole bunch of money on the facade, right? So the frontage of the bar looks incredible. They have a bunch of shit on the back bar. Um, but if you actually sit down and talk to the bartenders, they have no fucking clue what they're doing, right? They're just, they're drink monkeys executing, a, you know, a series of eight drinks that are on the list because that's all anybody ever buys. But these, these bartenders couldn't make a fucking daiquiri to save their goddamn life because they don't understand flavor profile balance. They don't understand structure. They don't understand the integrity of a cocktail. They're just drink monkeys, right? And you know that the profit margins of that bar are fucked because you're reading the menu being like, um, these things don't actually equal up to money. <laughs> so it might be really pretty on the outside, but there's no substance in the bartender's head. And there's no fucking profit in this bar because people don't know how to pick products. Um, you know, to it might create a really beautiful Instagrammable cocktail, but it's not creating a profit margin break cocktail. I mean, you know, I ran a, a, a bar inside of a fucking truck stop. There was no glamour and glitz in that, right? But there was profit. <laughs> there was money in it. But that was because I strategically knew how to do those things, right? I understand the foundational principles of how to make money. And so the bar made money. It wasn't just pretty. It made money. It was a pretty face. <laughs> it was a trucker face, right? It was a trucker face. But if you talk to a trucker, you know, it's, it's a very interesting conversation to have because those guys have way more money than, than it looks like they fucking actually have, right? Um, and understanding those kind of dynamics, like that's business, you guys. Like, you know, you want, you want to be good at this shit. You want to have fun with it. You want to fucking keep it sustainable and you don't want to be taken out by the person underneath you in the pyramid scheme wrong, right? Understand business. This is a fucking business. And if you run it like a mythical creature, you are at the mercy of being the most popular mythical creature. And I got news for you, bitch. Like, you know, for, for, for women, like, we have shelf life on that kind of shit. Like, I mean, just like the pretty bartenders with nothing in their fucking head who couldn't hold a conversation with customers. They were just hot, right? Those hot bartenders worked at sports bars until they weren't hot anymore. And then they worked at casino bars in the washed up fucking graveyard shifts and they still made some okay money, but they were working, you know, terrible hours in terrible work conditions and wrinkling with all the fucking casino smoke all day, every day. Okay. So it's like, you, you got to understand that in the coaching scheme, like, you're going to be the pretty hot popular girl until somebody is younger, prettier and hotter than you and takes that place from you. If you don't build business acumen in the process. And so I'm not saying don't use it, fucking use it. You're hot. Use it. <laughs> 100%. I wish that I would have started this shit when I was young and hot and beautiful. <laughs> right? When I wore makeup and, uh, you know, ha had the body and all that stuff. Like, I mean, it would have been a completely different fucking game for me, but I still would have applied business metric so that I could create it, but something that is fucking sustainable.
Layer those things up. Bring things from your past forward. Bring that experience with you. And don't think that because you're not a mythical creature, 22-year-old, that you can't be successful doing this. You guys, I'm 38 years old. I don't wear fucking makeup. I don't wear makeup in years, right? I have wrinkles. <laughs> I have wrinkles. I'm 20 pounds overweight. Um, I'm in a hoodie right now. You know, like I'm not this mythical creature fucking coach, even though I am the coach of unicorns, right? You can be a unicorn without being that person. And so it's allowing yourself to see that your foundational skill sets that you brought from your real life experience are just as valuable, if not more valuable than the branding and the proximity pay coaches, right? You don't have to be one of them um, to be wildly successful in this fucking industry. Sustainability comes from substance and your substance comes from what you did before you got here. So take a look at your life experience. Take a look at what you learned working in a bar or working, working as an accountant, whatever it may be. Take those skill sets and apply them to your coaching business because ultimately that is your competitive edge. That's what keeps you out of the pyramid scheme of coaches and keeps you building your own empire that is not contingent on the proximity that you paid for from the other coach to borrow their clout in order for you to be successful. You can build your own clout that is based on fucking merit, not just placement in the pyramid. All right. So take off your pants, do all the fucking wonderful things, and we'll see you next week. Or I guess hear, you, hear me. You'll hear me next week. I don't know. You get the fucking idea. For more trouble, go to realunicornsdon'twearpants.com. Hit that subscribe button and remember, hashtag fuck pants.